this morning. Um, I preached about a message. Uh, you know, when I talked about the disciples uh, were in the, in the boat in the storm and Jesus walked on water. I want to continue that message and I don't want to talk about the ending of that story. It has a really significant ending. And maybe even merge it towards the end, if I've got time, about my last message that I preached about. You know, when I talked about David, when nobody else chose David, God chose him. And I want to talk about the ending of that story as well. So I want to try and merge the two together, really, this morning. Because I've, I've got a good word from God. Can I put it on there? So, go to, if you've got your Bibles, John 6, verse 21. So this is where the disciples are in the boat. This is a storm. And Jesus comes walking on the water. And then it says that they saw him, they thought he was a ghost, they were scared. Peter then gets out the boat. Do you remember that part? And he says that he fear overcame him and he began to sink. And Jesus reached out and grabbed him. So John 6 verse 21 is continuing from there. And it says this. Then they willingly received him into the boat. Now watch this next one. And immediately... The boat was at the land where they were going. That's what I want to preach about this morning. The NLT version says this. Then they were eager to let him in the boat. And immediately they arrived at their destination. In other words, they got to the other side. Amen. How many of you are in a situation right now where you're just waiting to get to the other side? You've been in it for so long, you're just waiting for God to get you out of it, to get to the other side. But what John doesn't tell you is, is what happened. Because how do you go from being in the middle of a storm to then immediately getting to the other side? And it's always good, to, and I'll encourage you to do this when you're reading any stories, especially in the Gospels, is read all four Gospels, read all four versions to get the bigger picture of what's going on. Because if you go to Matthew, Matthew tells you something that happened. And it's Matthew 14, and it's verse 31 to 33. It says this, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him, and said to him, This is Peter when he's trying to walk on water, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Verse 33 says this, Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the first time the Bible records that the disciples worshipped Jesus as the Son of God. They worshipped him. Worship releases the immediately. I just want that to sink in for a minute. Worship releases the immediately. The, the title of my message this morning is a bit of a long one. I was deciding whether to, which one to go with, so I just said, sack it, I'll have both. The title is this, Worship Your Way Through to Get to the Other Side. And I just want to read something I've wrote. It may feel like you've been in the storm for too long, but it's about to come to an end. When you worship your way through, God will get you to the other side. It takes, if you think about the story... It takes a certain amount of time to get from one place to another. They were in the middle of a storm. If you remember my last message, it says 
they were in the middle of trouble. But it takes a certain amount of time to get that boat from the middle of the sea to the land where they were going. Especially in a storm, it probably takes longer. But the Bible says they got there immediately. So if worship has the power to change the course of time and get you to the other side, then it has the power to change the course of your life and get you to where God has called you to be. And just as God can do the immediate, let worship become your immediate response to him in every situation of your life. Amen. It's my message in my heart. And the word of God that I heard this morning is, he's going to get you to the other side. And something that you learn as a Christian is in the storm, we begin to learn how to worship in the storm, not just out the storm. Something begins to change significantly the moment you begin to do that. I'm finding Jesus in the storm with me. And not just when I'm delivered, not just when the freedom comes. And I want to speak that into people's lives this morning. This isn't just a word of encouragement. I absolutely believe the Father is speaking this morning. He's about to get you to the other side. Amen? As I was writing this message down, the Lord showed me two pictures. And I want to say this before I get into them so you understand the significance of the picture is, as you know, maybe on a Tuesday when people get a word or when you just get a word for someone or you're in the presence, when the Holy Spirit comes. And as the Lord was giving me this word, the Holy Spirit just came upon me. My, my hand began to shake. I could feel the presence. And I knew it was a significant word. And he showed me two pictures. And the first picture was I saw the waves crashing against the boat as the disciples were sat in there. And the Lord said, what if God can use the same waves that's been against you to get you where you need to be? In other words, the very thing that's been against you, God can turn it around for you and get you to the other side. See, there's many times in life where the waves, they take control. In your situation, when your emotions and your thoughts are overwhelmed because of a certain situation, because of an experience Emotions have this ability to take over in the driving seat and lead our life. It's just like the waves crashing against the boat in the storm. They were in control. They were leading the way. But then Jesus turns up. He steps into the boat. He calms the storm. And I had this picture that Jesus used the same waves that were against the disciples to immediately get them to the other side. God's about to turn something around in your life. Whatever was in control in your life, whatever was in the driving seat, insecurity, depression, anxiety, whatever it may be, I see a turning around and I want to speak that out this morning. There's going to be a shifting. God is about to release the immediate and we're going to get to the other side. Amen. Come on. Amen. The second picture I saw was, and I briefly mentioned it, when Jesus was in the wilderness. The Bible says that it was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus to the wilderness. The Bible also says that when Jesus came out, he came out in what? In the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit never left him one moment 
in the whole of his journey in the wilderness, he was waiting to get Jesus to the other side. Now watch this. God doesn't just want to get you to the other side. There's something waiting for you when you get to the other side. When Jesus got to the other side of the wilderness, there was the power of the Holy Spirit waiting for him. And just as the disciples in the boat got to the other side. So here's my question this morning for you. Where you are right now, what happens when you get to the other side? I want to show you something really significant. And it's very easy when we read our Bibles to read something and just look over it. Because the Bible tells me that when they got to the land, when they got to the other side, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And you're just thinking, awesome. Another place I can't pronounce. I don't know what it means. So you just overlook and you carry on with the story. But the Lord brought my attention to where they were going when they immediately got to the other side. There's a massive history with this place called Gennesaret. In the Old Testament, it was called Kinnereth or Chinnereth. And it's along the Sea of uh, Galilee. And over time, it was, the name was changed to Gennesaret. Gennesaret is a town that was given to the tribe of Naphtali, who was one of the sons of Jacob. He was the sixth son of Jacob. Interestingly, Naphtali means struggle. When Jacob, I don't know how, he must have got drunk one night and, and got with the wrong sister. But there was Rachel and there was Leah. And he loved Rachel. But he ended up marrying Leah first and Rachel couldn't give him children, so he had these children by Leah. But Rachel gave him his maidservant, Bilhah, and they had Naphtali. And because of the struggle Rachel had with her sister, she called him my struggle. So I want you to get the picture in your head. Here's the disciples in the middle of a storm. There's you in a situation waiting to get to the other side and you're in a struggle. That's what Naphtali means, my struggle. But the inheritance, the piece of land that Naphtali was given is Gennesaret, which is known for its beauty and its rich soil. And it's called by three things. They call it the Garden of God, the Paradise of Galilee. And the last one, which I want to call it, is the Garden of Riches. I don't know if you're getting the picture or not, but when you get to the other side, God has something waiting for you. Naphtali is known as the struggle. But what he was given was the garden of riches. In fact, in Jesus' day, the land of Naphtali, it wasn't um, as beautiful as people call it. Because part of the area of Galilee, known as, as the land of Naphtali or Gennesaret, um, it was full of um, what they call Gentiles or pagans. So basically when the king of Assyria came and he invaded the land, he took a lot of the tribe of Naphtali with him and their job then was to get rid of the Gentiles or the pagans and they failed, therefore it's actually looked down upon. Uh, when, when Jews in Judea, they, they viewed the place of, of Naphtali or, or Gennesaret as a place of dishonour because it was full of pagans and that's in Jesus' day. But I want to show you something because everything in the Bible has a meaning and a purpose Jesus didn't just immediately get them to the other side and it was anywhere. Jesus' mission 
was to do the Father's will, which means he's come to fulfill prophecy. Moses and Isaiah prophesied about Naphtali. Let me show you what Moses says. Are you ready? This is awesome. Deuteronomy 33, verse 23, in the NLT version, it says this. Moses said this about the tribe of Naphtali. O Naphtali, you are rich in favour and full of the Lord's blessing. May you possess the west and the south. So watch this story with me, okay? So remember, Naphtali means my struggle. Gennesaret is known as the garden of riches. Moses here is declaring over Naphtali that you are rich in favour. You see, the problem when you're in a struggle is you only see your struggle, which means you no longer see yourself how God sees you. You see your struggle. But God this morning is saying, but I see a richness of favour upon your life. And that's what's waiting for you when you get to the other side. When you begin to worship your way through, when you begin to worship in the midst of a storm, God is going to release the immediate and he's going to pour out a richness an abundance of favour upon your life. Amen? Not only that, but just one more. That was Moses' prophecy. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 9 verse 1. Listen to what he says. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. The moment Jesus stepped foot on the land of Gennesaret, he was fulfilling prophecy. Do you know that majority, well most except Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, of the disciples were from the surrounding area of Galilee. The four brothers, well the two brothers, uh, Peter, Andrew, then you've got James and John were from Bethsaida. They later moved to Capernaum. They were fishermen in, in the land of Galilee. Majority came from Galilee. Not only that, majority of Jesus' ministry began in the area surrounding the Sea of Galilee. So where Naphtali is looked upon as a struggle, and even in Jesus' day, looked upon as dishonour because of the pagans, Isaiah's prophecy is about to be fulfilled. And where he says it will become full of glory, do you know what happened when Jesus walked into that land? Matthew 14 Verse 34 to 36 says, When they had crossed over, they came, to the land, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Jesus brought revival to a land that was struggling. Because he was fulfilling how God sees that place. And how God sees you this morning is not how you might see yourself. It's very hard when you're in the middle of a storm to see where you're going. It's very hard to see who God says you are when you're in the midst of a struggle. But I believe God is declaring this morning, when I see you, I see you as rich in favour. And I have it waiting and ready to pour out in abundance over your life. 
Not only that, I just want to speak to some people. I have this joke with my wife. Where I say, don't mess with her, she's from Lion Farm. It's, it's... But the Lord spoke to me. And he said, to tell the people that don't know where they're going because of where you come from. Not Lion Farm. I'm not saying it's that bad. But you know, there's certain people that we come from, certain places, we have certain backgrounds where it's not, it's not wealthy, it's not educated, it's not rich. There's not many opportunities for success. There's not really many opportunities to make something of yourself or to even believe in yourself. And that can just be from a simple background of where you come from. These men that came from Galilee or Bethsaida were chosen to be disciples, but they weren't from educated Wealthy places. Look at Jesus. He was called Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel said to him, well, he said to, was it Andrew who went and got Nathaniel? He said, I found the Messiah from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Nazareth, you know, people were shocked. That Jesus is from Nazareth. The one who can perform miracles is from Nazareth. And I felt the Lord say, it's not about where you come from. It's not about what's around you. Don't stop where you're going because where you come from. Because when God looks at you, he sees a richness of favor that he wants to pour out in your life. And I just pray that people just see that this morning and, and just get that picture that what the Father is saying is, I want to turn things around. See, there's a time and there's a season. And I have been humbled by my struggle. And I, am, I wouldn't change a thing. I'm glad that what I've been through, because it's got me to where I am right now. But what I've been through does not need to last forever. Because it's about to change. Your storm, your struggle, Naphtali, is about to turn into Gennesaret. And your struggle... You're about to get to the other side. And this is what the Lord so told me to, to end the message with. Which is, I've been kind of battling with this bit because I, there's no way we would see ourselves like this. But my words that I spoke about David, um, when I talked about, it was titled, You Are Chosen. And, and when David fought Goliath on that day, nobody chose David. But God chose him. But God didn't choose David just to be a giant killer. He chose David to be the next king of Israel. And the Lord said he doesn't just want to get you to the other side. But there's something waiting for you when you get to the other side. And I believe the Lord said it's time, time to get ready. It's time to become a king. It's time to become who God called you to be. Regardless of David's struggle, when he got to the other side, he became who God said he was. He became a king. But before they put a crown on his head and declared him as a king, there was already a king living on the inside of him. It's very easy to allow your struggle to define you and take away from who God says you are. Just because I'm not that person yet, 
Just because I'm not in that ministry yet, just because I'm not healed yet, does not take away who God says you are. You are becoming who you already are. From the moment you were born, before you were born in your mother's womb, God declared over you who you are. You have an identity that is yours. And not even the devil himself can take that away. When God says who you are in the heavenly realms, every angel, every being knows who you are when you're walking around. What you see can determine what you believe. There has to be a turning around. What does Romans say about salvation? It says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, there has to be a moment where you begin to believe, I am who God says I am. David was driven away for 10 or 12 years from the throne from where he was called to be. But he learned how to worship in the midst of his struggle. And as a result, God brought him straight back. But he was already a king before he became a king. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see. It's not about where you come from. It's not about what struggle you're in. When God sees you, he has a richness of favor. And he sees kings and queens. Now, I'm not talking about, I don't want prosperity. I don't want to be rich. Maybe my wife does. So maybe I should be careful what I'm saying. Lord, if you want to, you know, it's up to you. But I'm not after that. Lord, bless me. I'd be rather be poor and rich in spirit. I'd rather know you with nothing than have everything and not have you. But there has to be a moment where you begin to believe that you are who God says you are. So that when you get to the other side, when you step foot on the land of Gennesaret, you are stepping into the richness of favour that God has for you, that he wants to pour out in abundance. And it's time that God wants to bring out the king and the queen in you. It's time for the calling that God has declared over you, that he says, this is who you are. This is the gifting and the calling I have on your life. Now it's time. I've seen you in the struggle. I have been with you in the storm. You have continued to worship me. Now it's time to release the immediate. Amen? Amen. Just do me a favor. You haven't got to do anything. Just stand up and put your hands there. I want to just release this over you this morning. There has to come a time when we learn how to receive. But we first have to believe in order to receive, in order to get what God wants to give. So just imagine David for a moment, right? He gets to the other side. He finally gets the crown and the throne that God promised him. He becomes king. That's the moment he can have the greatest influence from that place. But David had to believe he was who God says he was already. What if there's kings and queens? What if there's preachers and evangelists and great anointed men and women among you this morning? But all you've seen is the struggle. I want to prophesy this morning, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, your struggle is about to come to an end. God's richness of favour is about to be poured out on your life. And of everything that God put on the inside of you, he wants to draw out. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I release your word over us as a church, over each person that stands and represents their family. God, you said... We are your sons and daughters. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Lord, release the richness of your favour upon us right now. 
You have created us. You have called us to be kings and queens. You have called us. You have gifted us. Like Jesus, when he got to the end of the other side of the wilderness, the power of the Holy Spirit was waiting for him. God, there is a calling and a gifting and a vision and a dream that you have birthed on the inside of us. Father, I'm asking now is the time. Would you bring it out and completely transform, Rayla Regis? Would you completely transform families? Would you raise up a generation that know that they are kings and queens, not sinners and shame? And can we just lift up our children? They need to know who they are and the devil needs to do one and back off our children right now. We might be in a struggle. We, listen, let me just quickly share something beautiful. We've just come off holiday from Wales and we had some time with our family, and little Ollie, who's at the back. On our way home, he's a beautiful little boy. And on our way home, we drove past the church, a big, they drove past, was it Worcester? And they drove past this big church, and Ollie said, is Jesus in there? That's from a three-year-old boy. And then I think, did he say, thank Jesus for the holiday that we've just had? God, raise up a generation of Davids that know that they've been anointed to be kings, but that like Jesus in the wilderness, that they are willing to be led in order to lead the next generation. Amen? Amen. Thank you.